More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. to the first edition of the Contrarian Podcast. Um, I, my name is Ethan, Ethan and, Sweeney. And uh, I am Peter Gattuso. And this is our first episode of what is currently named the Contrarian Roundtable. But by the time you're listening to this, the cha- name may be changed. Uh, you'll, well, you'll have to see it, but you already know by then. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. Um... So, yeah, I guess we're creating this podcast because, I, well, I can speak for myself, I guess. I really want to create this podcast because there's a lot of things I'd like to talk about that I just don't have the, um, I, I can't go into real real depth on, like in an article format um, that I would love to still have a format to talk about. Um, I think it would be also a great way, you know, Big if currently, but if anyone decides to ever write an article other than me and Peter, um, we would love to have them on the podcast to talk about the article a little bit more. Um, so, so for me, for me, those are I guess kind of the two big things. Um, I also don't have nearly as much time to write articles as I'd like to, and this is a good way for me to still put out some content. And I, I think this also, you know, we'll give to our. Uh, we have a good marketing uh, fan base out there. You know, I mean we. We talk about uh, politics all the time, have some deep conversations, and you know one yeah. uh, critique we always get is, you know, we came, we came, we're here, Peter and Ethan talk, but we came halfway through. We don't know where it started, so we're kind of lost. Um, but we'd love an opportunity to listen to you guys just talk and talk and talk about politics. I mean, that's what we hear yeah, all the time. That's what I hear. I, I, I hear. I hear you guys are almost too smart. That's yeah, what that, I hear. That is, that's that like is like second second to that. I think that's what I hear a lot of the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I believe yeah, just so, just. Know? Oh my God! Go go on for another hour. To all our fans yeah. out there, this is for you. Yeah, all, all our fans love talking politics. Uh, or love to hear us talk politics. Um, here we are. Um, we're we're here. We're excited to talk about. It. We got some uh, topics le- laid out today. I've got my coffee in hand. Um, no, it is not morning, but <laughs> I I one of those days I needed my coffee. But yes, we do have econ homework to do after I'm this. I'm a little bit. I'm Italian. It's my my coffee for dessert. Um, okay. Well, I guess should we just jump right into it, Pete? Let's start. So I believe our first topic is Disney regarding the uh, Florida Parental Rights yes. Education Bill, also it, dubbed the Don't <laughs> Say Gay Bill. The, the yeah, the what Parental Rights and Education Bill. I, I think that's the official I didn't, name. I didn't know that that was what it was called until I started doing research for this podcast. I only knew it by the Don't Say Gay don't Bill. Don't Say Gay. Um, awesome. I've been personally really excited to talk about this. I like. I mean, there, there's plenty to talk about with the "Don't Say Gay" bill. I'm even more excited to talk about Disney's the, reaction. Just, just Disney, because it's so funny uh, what's going on there. But we can, we can, we can do a little bit on the "Don't Say Gay" bill, or sorry, the parental parental rights and education <laughs> bill. Um, excuse me. Um, but basically, if you didn't, if you weren't aware, if you weren't in the know, the bill is really. It, I mean, the the. The part that people are focusing on, I mean, the bill's a little bit bigger, I think, than this, but the part that people are focusing on is that there cannot be classroom instruction by teachers or third parties regarding um, sexuality or gender identity, um, yeah, for third grade and below. Yeah, so I think... Uh, in, the, in Florida, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, there are multiple versions of the bill. Um, a lot of are still vague. The final version has made it less vague, so at first, one point they mentioned uh, prohibited... Uh, discussion in a different part mentioned instruction um, but I believe in the final bill it is just about instruction for kindergarten and third That's graders um, but also says or for uh, age appropriate um, students that are determined by state standards um, so I think there is definitely uh, still some vagueness in the wording yeah, there vague, that will yeah. uh, it's definitely... That the legislation doesn't really try to answer. I think they're kind of contending the judiciary uh, 
handle it and kind of define yeah. the parameters, which is, will definitely lead to a lot of lawsuits. Um, so and I, I think anywhere yeah. where the judiciary has expanded uh, interpretational powers is concerning, but yeah. on the merits, I yeah. am definitely with it. Um, but let's get to Disney's reaction right. out of it. So well, one sec. I, 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 I want to say a few oh, things, Peter. I want to say a few things. I think I, I definitely agree with you about the, the fact that it's vague. Um, I think I think it could probably be a little bit more specific, make everything yeah. a lot easier for all parties involved. Because, um, you know, people don't want to, like, cross the line, but people want to talk about some stuff, you know. Um, that being said, yeah, there's probably not a whole lot to talk about with kids under, you know, in the third grade and below regarding you know just just i don't know i i feel like the bill could have done a better job to like be more not like broad in the sense of like targeting targeting speech about gay <laughs> stuff but like just broad in the sense of like you know you don't need to teach third graders like anything about any like <laughs> relationships or like sex that much you know what i mean like if they really need to learn about it they'll they'll talk to their parents or something, you know? And I, I understand that probably a, the, a big part of the um, cohort of people that are very against the bill think that, like, you know, people in Florida are homophobic and, like, are going to not talk to their children about being gay or, like, be like, my son's not gay, he, you know, wrestles gators or whatever <laughs> they do in Florida. But, no, I, I don't know. I think, like, I, I, don't, I don't like the idea of, like, the, sta- the state teaching kids about, about um, like health education in yeah. third grade and below just in general like i i have no problem with anything gay i, I but yeah third graders don't need to know this sh- shit really yeah um, and again i think there's a narrative there's something like fair criticisms against this bill but i think the narrative that has been pushed more in the mainstream by the media definitely at the oscars uh no many billboards is i don't remember the oscars all, all i know is someone got slapped <laughs> that did in fact well that was about the don't say gay, gay bill did, did you know about that <laughs> was it was it <laughs> definitely was it really i thought it was al, al- pizza <laughs> um yeah um but yeah the but the narrative of it has been very misaligned uh there's videos of teachers saying oh no i will not be able to talk to my uh I won't be able to second teach, grade class I won't be able to teach them about von stuber oh yeah 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 <laughs> uh there is david hogg a uh act uh left-wing activist uh said you know uh general von Steuben, uh i think it was like prussian the revolution uh with the revolutionaries the famous the, yeah prussian war general or something yeah, yeah right he fought with the americans <laughs> in the revolutionary war yeah uh he was rumored to be gay so you know no more second grade lessons <laughs> yeah on it wasn't even general like confirmed it was widely believed Wi- be widely gay. believed widely believed to be gay um which I which i don't even think talking about that would even go no. against the guidelines of the bill like that like the bill says you're not allowed to teach specifically about um, gender identity and sexuality, but teaching about a, a, a potentially gay Prussian war general, yeah, I, I can't imagine crosses that line. Again, it's, uh, like, and, and, and obviously, I, I, you know, I remember like it was yesterday learning about uh, von von Steuben in my second grade yeah. Uh, yeah. history class. Mm-hmm. But but so, did you remember you learned the von Steuben <laughs> song too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, but besides yeah. the hysteria of General Von Steuben, of course, um, there's videos of on Twitter of teachers saying, oh, no, like, I won't even be able to mention in passing uh, my weekend activities with my partner. Um, right. But if you look at the language think... of the bill, that is definitely still permitted uh, because discussion is now permitted. It is instruction-based learning. I think that's definitely where the kind of vague vagueness of the bill comes in, Certainly. too. Where it's definitely a little bit vague, so I can understand where... I mean, you don't want to lose your job or something, you know. Yeah, so, and also, so it, it makes you nervous. Um, but, but yeah, right. I, I don't think most of the most of the stuff that people are concerned about probably won't be impacted by the bill. Um, yeah, and again, with the vague vagueness, that's definitely a certain. It's, it, it's uh, also example. actually pretty widely supported, even by Democrats in Florida. I, I I forget what I you know I don't I don't remember the numbers of the poll I saw, but I, like something like like. I believe it was in the high fifties. I, I believe it was yeah, like in the high fifties, fifty something percent of Democrats support it. Which, you know, in that case, you know that basically one hundred percent of Republicans support it. Um, but but I mean, I, I don't know. I thought that was pretty, pretty incredible. For the most part, it, it's receiving wide support in Florida, um, and you know, a lot of that's parents. And I guess 
I don't know if they want if they if they don't want to, uh, that classroom instruction then I guess whatever and maybe that's because they're all homophobic and and want to try to like keep it all from their kids but hopefully not. Yeah. Okay, now the fun part. <laughs> let's get let's get on to Disney. This is this is what I've really been excited to talk about. Um, uh, it's just so funny to me. So so a little bit of background. I mean, maybe my 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 history here is a little fuzzy, but. Um, Bob, what, it's Bob Shapek, and then, what's the other Bob? Bob Iger. Bob Iger, Bob Iger, Iger. yeah, Iger, Iger, yeah, Bob Iger, um, used to be CEO, CEO. and he, he ran Disney for a while, he stepped down, yeah, in 2020, I think, like, Bob Shapek, some role, like, I think he took, took on some role in, like, 2018, or even earlier, was it 2018, 2020, whatever, I, all I know is that he took it on, um, pretty, yeah, pretty early on, the pandemic struck in, into his tenure. Um, he he bolstered the company's streaming service, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Bob Iger, when the pandemic hit, kind of, like, decided to stick around a little bit more. And that really, like, pissed off Bob Shapek. He thought that Bob Iger was trying to, like, you know, stay in power and, like, not really cede anything to him and he was like ready to take the reins and Bob Iger like you know he felt like Bob Iger wouldn't really give them to him so basically what you have to know is that they're not on speaking terms and that they're both working there right now and that Bob Chapek fucked up <laughs> um well, there's our explicit rating right yeah, there <laughs> my bad my bad uh Bob Chapek went ahead and he he said and personally, I think this is just an incredibly fair statement to make. He was like, you know, I think Disney can do more with its content than it can by making public statements. It doesn't seem to have a big effect on public opinion. Um, so we're just not going to really, you know, say much about it. And we're going to focus on leading by example. Um, and everyone was like, no, you literally have to take a stance on every political opinion. Uh, because <laughs> uh, Disney World in Florida, Disney and... Obviously, what people meant by that isn't that they need to take a stance because that's not allowed. They just have to agree. That's they have to agree with the people that wanted them to take a stand. It's not. A, it's not actually about you know having an opinion. It's about having the right opinion um, so that you can have your opinion uh, regurgitated back to you and and you know just grow your your finely tuned bubble uh, of 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 ideas. Um, so just some quick context. Sorry, um, I'm sorry. Uh, I know that I know that got a little condescending. No, no, no. I mean that, that's <laughs> the direction I was going to anyway. But but, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Bob Shapek of Disney sent out a statement after being pressured uh, by many factions within Disney, um, pretty much criticizing uh, the Florida Parental Rights Bill, uh, saying you know the typical stuff. We stand in solidarity with the LGBTQ community. Uh, we oppose they, anything that's uh. They've donated to Republicans they, before. Again, yeah, that is. Yeah, and Democrats. I mean, but, they donate to everyone. I, they they they, they just want to be friendly with Congress. Even very congressmen to uh, donate to both sides of an opposing campaign. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, um, but they've actually stopped all political camp donations now since there's been major backlash. To uh, yeah, so I believe the ones they stopped is uh, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, of course, and then also every. Florida member who mm-hmm. was it voted in favor or co-sponsored a bill, uh, one of the two. Um, right. So again, Shapek, I think he was pretty much caving to uh, what I like to dub the loud minority, the small faction of people at Disney um, who do not represent the median or average view of the Disney employee, but represents the some of the loudest people at Disney. Um, people who oh, they certainly showed up. They um, they showed up. Yeah. Um. Actually, there was a walkout. Um. At Disney, I think. Disney, yeah. There. There Disney? was. Um. Uh, some employees went on strike. They, I believe they, it was. They, they. They. They hosted a website. Um. To to slander Bob Shafek, I believe. Demand more. Um. There has been. To be fair, there has been a lot coming out. Like, uh, Pixar has made a ton of statements where they're like, "Yeah, we tried to make like you know." A bunch of like really gay movies and disney wouldn't let us well there's they a like, lesbian uh you know, they returned the script with like not you know they 
with not that much gay in the script. Well, also there, there's like the 1.5 second lesbian kiss scene at the end of Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. Um, so they, they're definitely making huge movements, and uh, they they, they yeah. shared a kiss. Um, I won't be happy. Yeah, but it was two extra extras. It wasn't it was, even any. It was two extras. Yeah, it was two extras. It was just two extras. Yeah. So I mean, in so, the background. so you know, I, I maybe maybe you can argue that Disney's a little a little slow to the to to the, to the catch here that they're not they're not they're not doing what they could do. They're not you know maybe Bob Shap Shapek's, uh statement about leading by example is is very. Um, weak uh because he's not leading by example and and or making a statement on it um you know uh fair enough i guess yeah um but one thing that garnered um, a lot of attention was the walkout um they got a few hundred people uh to walk out estimates range from about 300 to possibly 500 which is definitely a lot did, did goofy um, walk out i'm i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not sure um but it's definitely a lot of people, but also uh, worth mentioning that Disney employs nearly two hundred thousand people. So, so not, as not a ton, huh? Portion size, not a lot of or, enthusiasm, or or, or not. <laughs> people are not are not um, not coming out coming out in 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 droves for the for the don't say gay bill. They are not. I guess, I, I guess or people, against the don't say gay bill. I guess yeah. Disney employees are not ready to uh, risk losing their jobs over. Uh, a political state bill. Yeah. Um, then again, I don't, um, I don't think any of their jobs in, are in danger. I'm pretty in, sure Disney did not fire any of them. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they're they they're, they'll be fine. Um, it one one thing that I, I have to say. Um, excuse me. Um, excuse me again. Um, one, we'll one, one thing to cut that out or yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah one one thing one thing I have to say uh, Disney pr- probably. Probably you know this 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 one's actually like not 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 that there aren't other bad things that Disney has done or you know what we just talked about you can criticize but um, in particular they they decided that all of their employees should move to Florida because it is better for taxes and then they essentially like threatened to get rid of all of their severance packages if they don't like up and move their entire families over which. Obviously, isn't great. <laughs> um, for like, you know, I don't have to explain why that's not awesome for them to do. Uh, what 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 did make me chuckle um, is one one Disney employee living in in California was like, I can't believe Disney is forcing us to move to a place where they don't even respect like basic human rights. I was like, <laughs> okay, like it's Florida, not Saudi Arabia. Like we're gonna be okay, right? You know, actually, I don't even know. How bad Saudi Arabia? I imagine. Well, I know Saudi Arabia, Arabia does not have a governor named Death Santos. Death so Santos. There's, there's, yeah. there's 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 a lot of civility in Florida. It's not the worst place on earth, you know. Um, obviously, uh, <laughs> Disney shouldn't get rid of their employees' severance packages and force them to move. But I mean, Florida's not like you know Germany in 1938. Like it's it's <laughs> like it's it's not that bad. <laughs> Um, yeah, one one interesting thing is the uh, how how long this oh, kind of feud's gonna last. Um, yeah, a lot of right wing commentators are talking about boycotting Disney, you know, which um, I mean, most of these things just kind of like make a big fuss, and then you know you'll see you'll see an infographic or two post on everyone's stories, you know, change or whatever. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw one up there, and everyone will repost it, and then and then you know something else happens. I don't um, know. But then again. There is actually some substance uh, responses. Daily Wire is putting in a hundred million dollars uh, over three That's years into kids entertainment. Um, I don't, it seems like Daily Wire is taking on everything yeah. they can: movies, the... kids entertainment, razors. Razors. <laughs> um, so there's that, and then DeSantis uh, yeah. threatened to revoke uh, Disney's governing exception. So pretty much uh, within Disney, uh, Disney World. Uh, they're kind of allowed to operate as their own state. They don't have to abide by every Florida rule. Um, but DeSantis is coming to revoke that. I mean, that is kind that. of insane. Like, well, like, not, not that, like, DeSantis should, like, you know, uh, I think it's, like, definitely, per- personally, I don't think he should do that. Like, 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 for what? Because they're, like, like, he's, like, they've, what, shown their wokeness or whatever? Yeah, you know? again, 
I get why you'd want to remove a special exemption for a company, but doing so because of their response because, to legislation. Because they, because they decided to not donate to your campaign. Yeah, that, yeah, that seems... Uh, not awesome. bit on the borderline of crony capitalism. Yeah, definitely. And also, you know what? I'm a big fan of Disney parks, you know, and for most things, government intervention seems to make things worse, so... Things best to keep Disney parks and government keep. separated. Um, they should secede from the union. Yeah, Disney. Yeah. Now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that that is uh, definitely interesting. Yeah, but again, Florida will have to come to terms with uh, Florida's governance eventually, especially because it's unlikely that uh, Democrats will take power in Florida anytime soon. Florida is becoming more and more of a Republican state, and Disney World, you know, they're not uplifting uh, themselves and uh, placing themselves in New England. They are, they are not. You know, it's easy to say they I've are stuck the, um, in Orlando. Uh, taxes are higher in New England. <laughs> that, that's, and what it's, it's, that's what it comes down to. Well, I think so. it's also cold in New England. From what it I've is, heard. It is. I have heard it's cold. But they could always move to uh, San Francisco. I hear, yeah. I hear properties open up. up I, 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 I heard there's an extreme so uh, Disney yeah. shortage in California, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could, um, <laughs> Disney World should annex Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, that's when things get interesting. Yeah, seriously. Um, but anyway, alas, moving on, moving on. There's plenty of fun things to talk about. Um, do we want to do a little bit on the con, con college mask policy? I said we would bit more than a little bit because i'm sure we both have uh, we can talk about it here i'm sure i do i've i've so exhausted about talking about covid i mean it's been it's been two years um at at this point right like i i i complained all of last year at con i've complained all of this year at con i complained for the last half of of my high school my senior year, I, pretty much. I, I don't know. Well, I think I think a lot of people are on the same page as far as, um, what a joke their email was. You know, yeah. at the time when when schools are actually getting rid of masks, MIT, you're <laughs> literally not allowed to even ask someone to put on their mask. Which, you know, I I don't even know if I if I if, like I was in control of school. I don't know if I genuinely not even let people ask other people to put on masks but like that's the point where we're at where other schools are like you can't even ask someone to put on another mask and and con is like if someone asks everyone has to put it on also here are the locations in which um you know like oh you don't have to wear a mask anywhere except for everywhere uh, everywhere uh on campus Except for after 5 p.m., of course. So, uh, quick recap for those who are not on campus. Um, this semester, we've had twice, uh, testing twice a week. Uh, Which as is well already, as, I mean, what, what's incredible to me is we're moving to once a week now. Yeah. And I know, you know, plenty of friends who go to schools where it was once a week, if that, last year. Yeah. Um, but for us, it's still twice a week, masks Everywhere indoors, and then going into whoa, spring whoa, we're, break. We're, we're moving to to well, once. So here's things. So moving on, into spring oh, to, break. There was tomorrow. Some, tomorrow we're moving to one. Believe tomorrow. Yeah. 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 Um, it's the third. Yeah. Yeah. But going tomorrow. into spring yeah. break, there were some murmurs of um, an updated COVID uh, policy change. Uh, we heard rumors as far as uh, they're going to leave everything the same. To you know, we actually heard some stuff like you know what maybe maybe I, maybe I, per- make I personally was very optimistic. Um, um, and, but of course, then, right, yeah. of course, uh, no, we were not, our we're optimism not did not last for long. Um, but at least, you know, at least there's no mask in the dorm. I know all you have been, uh, very vigilant about wearing, wearing your mask in the dorm. <laughs> I, I see you guys in the hallways. Um, uh, obviously I'm joking. So basically this does nothing. Yeah. So they um, change it from twice a week to once a week testing and, uh, they now make mask optional except in classrooms, dining halls, academic buildings, um, school performances or events inside, uh, pretty much anywhere it seems that's not the dorm or the library. 
Um, but again, with in, the I mean, major in caveat. In classrooms after in, school hours. In classrooms where a class is not present at the time. Right. Um, um, again, with the major caveat that if you're in an area where anyone, anyone asks you to put on a mask or simply puts up a sign uh, requesting masks, you are obligated to oblige. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Um, the dining hall strikes me as odd in particular. Um, yeah, I mean, I pointed this out in one of my articles, but, you know, in one side of the dining hall, you have to wear masks. Uh, absolute no exceptions. Actually, that's not even really true, Peter, because I see a lot of people on that half of the dining hall. Really? Were not they serving food? Well, yeah, were they serving food? That's good. Maybe I should try doing that. Yeah. Well, they, they, where they are serving food. They got their masks pulled down. People don't like. That's people good. don't wear masks. Well, there was one guy who worked it's... there who, uh, whenever I tried going without a mask, he'd come and yell at me. Um, really? But maybe maybe he's yeah, cooled down or got fired or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I, I definitely see kids, like, I mean, kids are ever so, Someone is going to be without a mask. Like, there's, you can find that one kid everywhere. But, yeah, but um, in, even then, I'm not seeing people wearing masks in no. dorms. Not, in the library, you'll occasionally in the, in see the masks. Dorms, in the dorms, it's very rare. In the dining hall, I do see it in the one half. In the other half, like you said, like, like, most people on that one half of the dining hall do wear their masks. They, they, they follow the rules. The other half, obviously, like... Are you you're, you're supposed You're supposed to wear it when you get up from your table. Most people don't. Like, if they're going to refill a drink or they're going to throw something out, um, they don't do it. I see a lot of people leaving the dining hall without masks, you know, because they don't put it on after they get back get up from their table. Um, it, it, it just strikes me as a little bit odd. I and mean, maybe people should be doing that. I personally, I'm just I mean, honestly, if you take so, images like, and show historians later, it'll show kind of show uh, you know the great effectiveness of the masking policy. I mean, yeah, one half sure. you'll have people wearing masks for at least the most part, wearing masks, getting food, um, where they're not really socially distanced, but definitely less spread out. Worse, if you turn a quarter into the seating area, it's people packed shoulder yeah. to shoulder on circular tables. Yeah. Everyone's close to each other, and no one is wearing masks. Um, there's, there's of course, gonna, it's because be it's like, not really necessary I, anymore. I, I, I think like. I, that should be like on the same level, I think. One, one of my history classes back in the day, in the textbook, there was a picture, just funny. To, I laughed really hard when I saw it. It was like during the Great Depression, um, you know, there's a lot of pro-America sentiment. You know, America was trying to get people to immigrate for, you know, to increase their production, all that sort of stuff. They were expanding really quickly. Um, and there was this big billboard that was like, you know, come find the American dream or whatever, you know, like everyone can make it here and then below is a, is a is a uh, bread line like a soup, <laughs> a soup line um because it's the great depression and I, I just found it like incredibly ironic and i i think like there are probably like similar sentiment in some of the textbooks in the future uh about our, our period where we're at right now one of the biggest slaps in the face uh of our college's policy i think is the fact that while students have to get tested once a week um, employees and faculty staff don't have to get tested at all unless they want to, which is just, you know, I mean, a huge slap in the face of the kids because we don't want to do this shit for the most part. And we're not, we're the ones that aren't at risk and not as scared of it. Like we, we're, we don't leave campus nearly as much as, as faculty and staff. Um, we are like by by many times less at risk um the the disease is not as severe for for most people our age um i guess those are my two biggest points but yeah like we just have less exposure to to outside campus and would not be as as affected by it and yet we're the ones that are still have the burden on us which which is is weird and yeah, I, I completely agree. No, nothing about this policy is actually about protecting COVID, but it's all kind of a uh, PR, PR uh, middle ground, you know, trying to thread the narrow needle, which in my mind does not exist between uh, people who are over COVID and people who, of course, want to attach to uh, what they believe are necessary safety measures. Um, good example of this is the once a week testing. I mean, what what's what's the like scientific logic behind that? Like, 
Beyond saving yeah. money, of course, the testing is insanely yeah. well, expensive. Well, well, the funny but... thing is, I mean, the CDC recommends now that you quarantine for five days, which, you know, uh, I, I don't know if we're, you know, math, math buffs here, but five is less than seven, um, and that's how many days are in a week. So you could theoretically get COVID, get over COVID, and then get tested after that and not know that you had COVID the entire time and were viral. Um, or, or because a- antibodies, um, you know, like, or, you know, your viral load lingers, I guess, right? Um, even after you're really contagious, you can still test positive. I mean, that's, that's I mean, as far as I couldn't, can understand, that's why we don't get tested for 90 days after we get COVID, which I still had to get a negative rapid test um, to come back to school when I got COVID over winter break, which was really weird because I was like, like, isn't this the exact reason I'm not getting tested for the next night? But, you well, know, that's neither here nor there. Well, I think it's the, um, the rapids are different. The rapids, the rapids are, are different. antigen, which don't pick up antibodies, but the PCR... Do pick, do up, do antibodies. pick up antibodies. Okay, so interesting. Believe, See, I was, so. I was really confused. I was like, isn't this, like, the whole point of... of... No, okay, that makes sense. But, um, I mean, luckily, I, I obviously made it back, so we're all good. But, um... But no, the, I don't even remember what we were talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, again, it either you see COVID transmission on campus as a major threat or you do not. Uh, for the sake of argument, it seems like the administration is still taking it as a threat. So for the sake of argument, let's say they still see it as a major threat. And why Why decrease testing instead of, like, masking or anything like that? To, but to decrease well, testing well, to well, once a week from twice a week, what... What really does that it tell really you about do... transmission rates? It tells you less. Right. So, I, I mean, I think that's it, it, it's not a great policy. I mean, I can understand, like, why the school is going with testing. I mean, if I were in charge of school, I would have gotten rid of testing last year because I don't want um, proof of high, high, uh, high cases on my campus. If you don't get – you can't see what you don't what you don't – like test you know or record um and that would have been my my policy but i know i know that's like not that's maybe flying in the face of science a little bit and more just like um totally um in the name of like looking good and but i think that's mostly what the school does anyway so yeah um yeah but but like and as ethan mentioned you can get covid um and then not have covid just in time for you to be tested so um, in, in the one week span. So if you're actually worried about people attending classes, going out, going out in public and transmitting COVID, then you would keep it on twice a week. But the fact yeah. that they changed the once a week proves that it's not really a major concern to them. Yeah. I mean, this especially just seems to be, um, just another one of those like, uh, grandstanding yeah. measures that are put in place just to show you know, eh, virtue signaling. You know, like, look what we did, even though practically it's not a great measure. Um, we're going back to normal, much. and we're still being uh, cautious. Right, yeah, exactly. It, it You know, it shows progress we're in our, in our opening transition. Opening up while ensuring safety for our students. Yeah, it's 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 no less hassle and less protection. Makes a great uh, or, or bumper sticker, not, but it's no not less. consistent yeah. policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just like, I mean, we just have the worst of both worlds where really – the policy that we have in place now isn't going to protect kids or faculty from COVID that much. And at the same time, people are, are you know, still have to put up with a bunch of stuff that they don't really want to do. Um, so it, it does seem like the worst of both worlds to me, but that's fine. <laughs> whatever. What, you know, I've complained enough. We, whatever. It is what it is. Do you have any, any remarks, Pete? Um, no, I pretty you, much you, think you, I've said you've everything. You've tired, tired yourself out? Tired myself out. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Um, so, Ukraine Zelensky. I, haven't, I, I looked it up a couple of days ago. I know everything's moving quickly, so I'm not necessarily um, as on top of it as I could be. You know, I didn't look it up yesterday. I looked it up, you know, whatever, Wednesday, Thursday. But, I mean, the last I was really tracking it, um, I know Russia said that they we're going to decrease their their aggression in um in kiev and then most people felt like that was a lie um and that they were really just kind of regrouping before they went at kiev again um i've heard they're like they're they're um they're re- regrouping a lot of their army right now but that a lot of their forces are actually kind of defeated 
um, and, and that <laughs> they probably don't have a whole that many attempts left in them. We'll see what happens. Uh, but that's um, well. That last part I just saw on Twitter, so don't take that as a real <laughs> as, as as a real uh, anything real or substantive. But but I have heard that that they are regrouping, um, most likely to attack Kiev. I've heard that Putin is getting not that great intelligence from his new yes men that he's put in. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because that's I mean that's the problem with dictatorships. No one wants to be the one to bring bad news. Yeah. Uh, Our, uh, yeah. Our, our our teams are doing great out there. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Putin launched this attack, thinking uh, it would be a quick, sweeping oh, victory. Yeah, crushing win. Yeah. Without, uh, you know, nothing like this. Least of all, uh, Kiev still standing. Um, what, are we now a month into this? Um, yeah, just about. It's remarkable. Yeah. And a lot to be seen whether it'll stay that way, but just the fact that they held him off this long is definitely an impressive feat. But I think it's goes back to the uh, preparation of the Russian army, you know? Putin would say, all right, do we have this? Is this all set? Do we have enough forces here? Are we have enough resources here? Are units well-trained? And I'm going to say, oh, yeah, it's perfect. Everything's fine because no yeah. one wants to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah, we have the, we have the, the highest-grade soldiers um, in, in the world. And, uh, I right, mean, yeah. another interesting point is uh, Putin's generals are not the smartest people. Um, because he surprise, could be surprise. worried of like possible military coups coup, and stuff. Right, which right, right. Most of the time, coups do come from the military, so um, he's not putting his brightest people. And they were, and and, and some were really positions. like actually worried about that too. Yeah. Even in this attack, you know, even with his his dumbass generals, they were like, it might still happen. Yeah. Um, which obviously he doesn't want. So yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense that that would that would be the case. Yeah. Um, I've also I've I've heard I've heard as well that Russia invest a lot in like the fancy tech and stuff you know missiles big stuff like that and then kind of neglects to like train their army yeah um or you know get you know just normal combat gear or um again just like you know good training um it just lacks that uh and and they try to make up for it and like the cool stuff but you really can't make up for it with the cool stuff yeah and i also on the soldiers, I think morality is a huge problem that's hitting uh, the Russian forces. Well, well, them as well as Putin thought that this was going to be like a crushing defeat because that it was just going to be in and out. Exactly, because them, like uh, most people in Russia, were fed the misinformation. They went to Ukraine thinking many different stories would be a special operation. Some of them just all be training. Few, if any, went to Ukraine thinking, I'm going to be fighting a long-lasting war. And it's not really a war many of them want to be fighting. Yeah, a lot of them have family. In a lot Ukraine. of them family in Ukraine. Some of them. Russia's are very close. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely um, going to be interesting to see where this heads. I I don't. I I, I couldn't say for certain what's going to happen. Um, hopefully, they come to an agreement soon. I know Ukraine has has definitely, or Zelensky has has made clear that he's looking for peace. Uh, you know, on certain terms, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think it'll be, he, I mean, he said he's willing to, he's willing to declare neutrality, right? And that was, I that? think, I think he is. Yeah. And it's unclear whether he'd be willing to give up, uh, Crimea, which was annexed by Russia in 2014 or, uh, some of the disputed Donbass regions, which are things like Eastern Ukraine. Um, I think the bigger question of whether Zelensky is willing to, uh, come to terms is whether Putin's willing to come to terms. Um, with, with his basically his defeat. defeat. Again, but I think if he Not takes defeat. the Donbass region, it'll still be a win. But I think whether he's willing to engage in diplomacy yeah. is all hinges on whether it'll be seen as a victory or as a defeat by him. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, and if exactly. he sees any anything to the table, any agreement uh, short of annexation of Ukraine at, will be defeat, then I don't know if Putin would be willing to compromise and come to the table and actually uh, you know, work on a treaty. Um, if he yeah. does find a way, if he manages to deal, deal to take Crimea and Donbass uh, while uh, not uplifting the Zelensky government, um, if he could phrase that as a win, I think he'd be willing to do that. But I think that's a harder said than done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen, Pete. Um, I guess I guess I, I I don't I don't have a whole lot to say about Ukraine and Russia. Um, other than you know I hope I hope it ends. 
but I've already kind of said that. Um, <laughs> should should we move on to something related? Something. It's adjacent. All right, um, let's do it. Adjacent to to the Ukraine. Ukraine situation, uh, Biden's slip up. This, now this happened a little while ago at this point, mm-hmm. um, but it was funny nonetheless. So we had to cover it. Um, in case you didn't know, Biden decided to mention that he thinks that Putin should not stay in power, uh, which um, isn't isn't great if you're trying not to escalate the situation. Again, on the um, merits, gotta agree, Putin I mean, right, not supposed to remain in power. But as a voice of as a, yeah, as, as a as a tenet of of foreign policy, yeah, yeah and right. I mean, but Biden is known to make ad libs and go off script, you know, kind of in the same way Trump does. But only unlike Trump, it's not always scornful. Um, although he yeah, definitely has I mean, his fair share of that. Say but, what you will about Trump, um, he obviously was pretty terrible at at any sort of diplomacy, yeah, d- domestic or foreign. Um, but he. Um, at least what he did was just, like, kind of stupid name-calling <laughs> and not, like, you know, making threats to a to a, uh, a peer nation. Yeah, but I think what Biden likes to do a lot of the time is just act as a pundit. Forget he's, like, a leader and, like, actually, like, the chess mover and that. Kind of, just like, yeah. call it how he sees it. I mean, there's, you know, Definitely Putin can't remain in yeah. power. But also think about his main blip uh, a couple months ago. At the beginning of this conflict, uh, when he said in his speech, uh, NATO's and the U.S.'s response uh, to it will depend whether it's only quote a minor incursion into Ukraine. Um, again, on the merits, he was probably true. That turned out not to be true. But I believe, like, he had reasons to believe that would be true. That NATO would be divided. That the U.S. response to Russia would largely depend on a the scale of uh, the invasion of Ukraine to be, whether it be major or minor. But the fact that he said that and pretty much said, you know, we may not yeah. do anything if Russia only does a minor yeah. incursion, you know, uh, forgets a major factor. Biden, He's the one that makes the decision. Biden has had a bit of a problem in this conflict with, like, showing his cards, um, it, like, for in the name of, like, you know, rhetoric or, um, or just speaking his mind, which in, in some cases, I mean, like, I know a lot of people were actually thought it was really good that the the US made statements about what they thought Russia was going to do before they did it um even if they didn't necessarily have intelligence on it because it made it a lot harder for Russia to actually put those plans into action um and and blame it on Ukraine if if the US called them out first which was good um but there's also yeah a lot of other cases where where being real honest isn't as good um yeah uh, obviously saying that you think Putin shouldn't be in power is, is kind of like a escalate or has the potential to escalate situations which would be pretty Mild, mildly threatening from a certain perspective right because we're trying to not really get into this conflict even though we are pretty deep in it all um and 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 that is it, it is threatening to Putin and something that that probably uh isn't isn't good to let him know right now yeah so, uh, one thing I find amusing about this, I think it was put in by Noah Bloom on Twitter, um, was the parallels of this and just ad-libbed uh, m- mentions in speeches uh, and similarities with Donald Trump. You know, both Biden and Trump be staying on strip and, like, doing all right, you know, a nice average speech, mm-hmm. and then they'll add a line, which is totally out of touch, inconsistent, uh, usually, you know, catches a lot of attention, and then within seconds, all their defenders on cable news and Twitter would be saying, oh, this is actually, this is not a gaffe. This is a brilliant movie. He's playing 40 chess. He's actually three steps ahead of his yeah, opponent. Yeah, and you guys is, will only realize it later. You idiots don't even understand what just happened. Exactly. They will die on the hill defending his actions just as the White House clarifies, uh, clarifies in scare quotes, uh, their remarks as, oh, no, he didn't, the president actually, didn't actually mean this. Yeah. What he actually meant was, and then what's the uh, scripted speech. Um, it kind of yeah. makes a fool of the supporters uh, saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know. Totally. Maybe, maybe next time we'll get a president who doesn't follow that, you know. Or people that just, like, blind, blindly back them. Um, even, I, even when it's contradictory, even when they know it's not that good, uh, just because 
they're loyal. You know that, but this is politics. This is politics. It's populism, baby. Exactly. And maybe, maybe, maybe it's bound to bound to at least be a little bit of that. But hopefully, less so in the future. I don't know. I don't know. Well, what are you gonna do? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Anything else to say, Pete? I have nothing on more on that. Yup. Okay. Um, oh, here we go. This is exciting for me. <laughs> so, so pretty recently, the um, two-year and ten-year, um, like you know, bond rates, uh, yield, the yield curve inverted essentially, where the, where the two-year uh, yield and and the ten-year yield are, uh, these these inverted, which historically has predicted a recession um, with like startling accuracy it's predicted a recession. I believe it's there's been 26 times since 1900 the yield curve has inverted and 22 of those times a recession followed shortly after so yeah yeah so oops um, <laughs> so it's not great there's there's definitely some some historical precedence as far as we might be headed into a recession the reason for that is because people um, are buying long-term bonds more, which um, drives the drives the rate down, um, and 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 usually, long-term bonds uh, charge a, a higher higher yield because um, there's less certainty the longer in the future you are. But when people are really nervous about um, you know the near future, uh, they tend to invest really heavily in long-term bonds rather than short-term bonds which drives short-term bond yields up and long-term bond yields down, and then the yield curve inverts. And um, usually that predicts a recession because obviously um, market sentiment and, and you know people are not confident in the economy and usually they have good reason to be. <laughs> um, but the reason some people think that the yield curve inversion might not be as good of a predictor um, this time around as it has been historically is because of the um, increased involvement, uh, increased government involvement in, in lending markets. Um, so the, the government has been buying about, I think, $120 billion worth of bonds every single month since like April 2020 to November 2021. Uh, so there's been a lot of bond purchasing which has the, you know, which affects the yield curve, right? And so people are saying that, that some, some of the, the way the yield curve is looking uh, might, might be uh, in, in part due to uh, the government and its buying of bonds at such a great rate, which would mean it, it, it might not be as bad as a, a signal as it has been historically. Yeah. Um, and, and you know obviously the feds sets the uh well they don't set like the two-year interest rate or anything but they set the like, uh, like three month or something like that um they they they, they set the um the the short end of the of the yield curve like the shortest one but that's um so that's where we are with that um you know buy gold it's not, it's not <laughs> yeah buy gold um buy by, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I can really, really say buy crypto. Not well, we yet. probably add a warning. Uh, not, yet. Not, yeah, uh, this is not investment this is not advice. Not investment advice. This we is are not, not investment uh, advice. Um, yeah, but but totally. Um, you know, don't don't put a second mortgage on your house right now. <laughs> I guess uh, it's not it's not the time to do that. Um, but at the same time, things might not actually end up being that bad. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but don't but don't get your hopes up. Um, but that's really it. Oh, next up, this is also bad for the U.S. economy. Yes. Um, another another bad thing. A uh, little little bit of preface to this, I guess, is that in I think it was 1974, the U.S. made a deal with the Saudis that oil um, would be priced in dollars, uh, which meant that other nations had to basically buy dollars um, to buy oil, which you know, drove up the price of, um, drove up the price of the dollar or like, you know, the, the value of a dollar grew because people were, there was high demand for it because they were all buying oil. Um, and then it also got a bunch of 
<laughs> it also it also got a bunch of dollars in the circulation, and you know what did people use with all do with all the dollars? They bought bonds, so it fed the U.S. debt machine and blah 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 blah. And Saudi basically did this uh, in return for protection from the U.S. Um, but more recently, Saudi Arabia has been pretty not that happy with the U.S. because we um, what we were negotiating with um, with what Iran or, or whatever. Iran, yeah. Yeah, we're negotiating um, like an arms arms deal with Iran, I think, right? Uh, yeah, I believe that's actually um, happening uh, right as Russia invaded Ukraine, and ironically, yeah. the deal is also being worked uh, with the Russians. It's kind of part of the uh, Obama's Iran deal, which Trump uh, repealed, um, or not repealed because it wasn't a law; it's an executive order. Uh, but yeah, pretty much it uh, released sanctions on Iran, um, and in return, Iran pledged not to make nuclear weapons. Uh, needless to say, Saudi Arabia was not psyched about this. Um, in, in addition to that, the U.S., um, obviously, we didn't pull out of Afghanistan the greatest we could have, probably. Um, and, and, and that to say, take that, a couple of inches. Yeah, uh, and, and, and um, Saudi Arabia was not not stoked about that either. And so... Leave, Biden tried to call them about Russia and Ukraine. Oh, they wouldn't conflict. sit in on it, right? They, not only would they not sit, they would not even answer the phone from the U.S. president. Um, yeah. So their tensions are definitely high. I think I saw a great SNL skit on this, but that's, you know... Oh, uh, we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, we can put it in the show notes. Um... But, you know, that that's all kind of background just to say that uh, Saudi has expressed interest in, in maybe pricing oil in the yuan, uh, at least to China, which would which is Chinese currency, the yuan. Um, so so they've, they've considered they've, they've been in talks with China about about selling oil to China for yuan instead of dollars, which would be a pretty big hit um, to the U.S. dollar because. China buys a lot of oil, and it you know that decreases the demand for dollars by quite a bit, um, and 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 it, especially I think to me if if you look at like some other metrics and things going on, um, the U.S. dollar uh, as a reserve currency and as like a powerful currency has been kind of declining in recent years, and and especially uh, with the Ukraine and Russia conflict, you know the weaponization of SWIFT. A lot of people are like not really sure about the U.S. dollar. We seized reserves. People are like, oh, my reserves aren't safe. If I piss off America, I'll get, like, basically, like, canceled on the world stage. <laughs> um, so people are a little bit nervous, maybe, about keeping the American dollar as as, um, as a reserve currency. And, you know, uh, um, people have not been buying U.S. bonds as, as much recently. Um, there, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things going on, basically, that, that, that can tell you that basically... The, the dollar is, is in decline. Um, and that would be a huge crack in the the system that we have. The, I also don't believe it would coincide well uh, with our rising inflation. You know, when you have yeah. the value of the dollar already uh, decreasing yeah. and then you lose right. major faith in the dollar as a central currency. Right, right. Uh, tends not to bode well. <laughs> yeah, those, those things are like... Um, yeah, yeah, not, 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 not well. It's really like whipped cream on top. They go together. Like, I can't think of the analogy right now, but they go together pretty well. <laughs> pretty poorly. They go. They go, uh, they, go to, they go together about as well as fire and gasoline. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, that would be that would be, not great for our economy, mm-hmm. um, especially on top of the yield curve inverting. Um, so I mean, like, like I know this has been like a uh, pretty pessimistic uh, podcast on, on on the on the state of our economy. Um, Thank God I, we have the uh, one size fits all solution, which I believe is the uh, global corporate minimum tax. Actually, actually, Peter, um, that's not even the real solution. The real solution is the Build Back Better bill oh, because yes, it's yes. actually set to decrease the deficit Forgot within the next that. 10 years even though it's not actually but do you know build back better actually costs zero dollars it costs zero dollars that's what i've heard pete that's yeah. what i've heard yeah. um also also i'm small uh plot twist um not plot twist that's where we could cut out loophole what's it what's it called in like tech i keep seeing the uh life hacks 
Oh, life hacks? Life hacks, yeah. Well, DIY, DIY or yeah. whatever? Yeah, yeah, do-it-yourself life hacks. Um, if you take out a credit card, and then you buy, like, a TV on it. Right. You only have to pay later, not now. So, it actually costs zero dollars. Oh, guys, what you should try doing, and I, and I just <laughs> found this out from Peter, get as many credit cards as you can, go to an ATM, withdraw up to your credit limit, and then run. <laughs> um... That, that's a that's a great um, that's just a little DIY life hack, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, also have to pair that with ignoring the uh, congressional budget office reports, which shows yeah. that it in fact does not pay for itself. It's um, not pay for itself, and it actually doesn't in- decrease the deficit over the next yeah. ten years. Um, at all. I love this side rant of a bill that's been dead for the past few months, but... Yeah, I know, I know. I know. It's, not, it's not even, not, like, yeah, Joe, Joe Manchin uh, buried it in yeah. cinema, and cinema. Mm-hmm. But, but alas, so sad for Build Back Better. Maybe we'll bring it back, um, but probably not. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're coming to an end here, I guess, on our fun little fun little show, but... I, I heard that pirating is legal. Um, I think our friend Jack Callahan told us about that one. Yeah. Um, I forget the context of which he mentioned that in. Uh, the, you're allowed um, to see oh, Russian right. oligarch yachts and stuff. That is right. I think it was Zelensky first made that legal in Ukraine. Um, it's all the viral images of a tracker towing a tank. I don't know if it's real or not. Uh, it'd be cool if it's real, but, you know. I hope it's some, real. Some questions. Awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, pretty much... Um, it's first made in Ukraine, and now I think Biden made it, uh, issued it, that if you can seize uh, the assets of Russian oligarchs, oligarchs legally. Yeah, so, you can totally just go ahead and, and do that And, of course, now. a lot of emphasis on the yachts. I believe it was, like, France confiscated um, the oligarchs' yachts. So now, uh, so, I mean, you can, you technically, can, American can citizens can just pirate a yacht. Can you kidnap the Chelsea soccer team? <laughs> I'm unsure about That's that. technically we'll, Abramovich's... Um, Soccer team, right? right? I mean, I do some consulting with Merrick Garland first, but um, yeah, okay. We'll, we'll, we won't take it off the table entirely. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll update you in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So if you know a uh, Russian oligarch yacht in your and, and, area, yeah. If, if there's if there's one just off the coast, yeah, go um, ahead. Yeah. Yo ho. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Um, that's that's all really to that. Just a fun little, you know, go seize a yacht if you really want to type deal. Um, be careful of other pirates, maybe. Um, maybe you guys can split the fortune, come to some sort of agreement. Yeah, or just go on epic cruises with you and your friends on or the just, yacht. Yeah, or, or, you know, make make new friends and, and yeah. with, the, with the other pirates and, and go on a booze cruise. Yeah. <laughs> um, next up. Next up. Oh, you told me about this. Pete, do you want yeah. to take the reins? Um, sure. So I guess we kind of should talk about this in Russian Ukraine, but this is one interesting tidbit. Um, well, first some context. So uh, following Russian invasion of Ukraine, John Kerry, who uh, former Secretary of State, current climate envoy to Biden, uh, made a profoundly tone-deaf statement, I'd say, where he said, um, we're not going to let Russia's entanglement with Ukraine uh, jeopardize our our two great countries working towards climate justice and fighting climate change, you know. <laughs> but, you know, if Putin's evading Ukraine, um, military not really known to be environmentally friendly, you know, it's fair to say that Russia may have a couple of priorities higher than uh, fighting climate change. Uh, so there's a lot of um, rightful criticism against Kerry where, uh, you know, working with Russia on to fight climate change during the invasion of Ukraine, maybe not the best uh, strategy. But, you know, a uh, couple weeks ago now, um, I think Antony Shuboy, Shuboy, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but a climate aide to uh, Putin, uh, fled Russia. He just up, yeah. he resigned, and just left the country entirely. Ran as fast as he could. Ran yeah. as fast as he could. Uh, his reasoning was he realized uh, Putin was not going to do anything on climate change. Um, and, you know, you can't resign and live, like, a quiet, peaceful life in Moscow. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> after he make a defiant statement against Putin. So he uh, bolted out of the country. Um, so we'll see. What Do you think Kerry wants to talk directly to Putin about, you know, uh, yeah. carbon tax? Well, not, yeah, well, maybe, yeah, from across the table. Yeah, cap and trade, you know. 
Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> see, so, we'll see if we can set something up. Well, yeah, I'm sure right on the cusp. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, beyond that, do you have any more topics? You want um. To talk about? I. I mean, I don't have a lot to add. I, I've I've been. I, I don't know if there's been a whole lot going on this week. I, maybe I just haven't been keeping up with it. Uh, Pete, you did talk a bit in um, CC Raps, which you know I know that's like a little bit of. Uh, oh, now the, you the now you've ousted me. The club, the club that shall not be named. <laughs> but um, I know CC Raps talked a bit about um, Katanji Brown. Uh, yes, and, yes. And her whole whole what hearing and yeah. So and she that. had yeah. the so, Senate hearings. Um, I did not listen to a lot of it. I, 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 haven't, I haven't been following it at all, so anything you have to say about it would be more than I do. Yeah, so I can add. So from my perspective, she seems uh, Kataji Brown-Jackson, uh, Biden's pick to secede uh, retiring Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. Um, she seems she has the academic merits. She seems very knowledgeable of different cases, uh, judicial philosophy, you know, which of course I'm original, an originalist. Uh, so we're, we're differing, but she she knows she knows what she's talking about. She's bright. She seems very great. Um, she yeah. she even used a lot of orig- originalist language. Um, no kidding. Yeah. Um, and there there were some unfair attacks there from the right. I mean, what you should should, right. uh, which should be expected. Uh, Josh Howley of Missouri attacked her on uh being lenient on child pornography cases, um, which. If you look at the cases themselves, are not really all that lenient. They still are within the sentencing guidelines uh, provided by uh, the prosecution defense. Um, um, yeah, uh, advisory opinions with uh, David French and Sarah is great. They have a good podcast uh, going over that, um, as well as Andy McCarthy National Review. Um, so yeah, those attacks mainly seem unfounded. Uh, beyond that, there were a couple questions that kind of caught her up. Um, most famously, uh, Senator Martha Blackburn or Marsha Blackburn uh, said, well, "Can you define a woman to me?" And you know, it was like a troll, trollish question. You know, like yeah, yeah. Even I, I heard about this one. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was definitely for Twitter views. But I mean, knowing the definition of a woman as easy as it is, like this is gonna come up in a case or two. I feel it'll, it'll be relevant to uh, Supreme Court cases, right? Defining the parameters of gender, uh, but yeah. yeah Ketanji Brown-Jackson, you know, can't really blame her. She did not want to get entangled in uh, a culture war with either the extreme left or extreme right attacking her. Um, she said, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm not a biologist. Uh, which, yeah. which definitely isn't the right answer. I, but I, I can see where she's coming from, in which case you can't see an answer and which won't piss off one side. Yeah, things are moving fast. I don't know if there is, like, a super reliable answer. Again, any answer will have its outliers and Um, exceptions, and that's immediate trap she did not want to fall into. Right. Um, I I mean, she can say, you know, uh, like, to be fair, I I don't know if I could even give a, a, a definition. I mean, like, you know, I guess... You know, two X chromosomes would be a start, but then also people would say, "No, that's not true. You can be a woman without there." I actually saw Matthew Iglesias, um, which would be like, but then, but so I guess I guess at the end of the day, like you would say, like anyone who wants to be is yeah. right. Um, so okay. But uh, one uh, thing is that would piss off the right, and then, yeah. But, so I mean, I, if all, you can say anything that want you be, then you kind of say, okay, if it's. If a woman is anything you want to be, then there isn't really any defining feature of being a woman. And I think even, like, you know, gender theorists would argue, well, there are defining traits of being a woman. To say there isn't would be uh, anti-feminist. But again, if you go on the other side, Matthew Iglesias made this uh, good argument I saw, is you say chromosomes, well, of course, there are exceptions, but more than that, even people on the right will argue, well, gender is something you can just see. Something that is something that's apparent, uh, something that's identifiable back to the most naturalistic, uh, primitive species you can identify gender roles. But chromosomes, that's more recent development. I mean, 300 years ago, people right. were not familiar with chromosomes. Right, sure. Um, so it definitely puts in question. Um, I don't have the best I mean, answer to it, but... I mean, I'm, 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 I'm fairly comfortable with my skin as a male. I haven't even had my chromosomes tested, you know, so I... I who who knows? Well, right, yeah. That would be a plot twist for sure. <laughs> it would be. Um, but yeah, uh, no easy answer. Um, no, it but not. definitely not the correct response that I'm not a biologist. 
Uh, but beyond that, she seems qualified. Um, I personally take the view that Senators Ben Sass, Roy Blunt uh, have provided, which she's an esteemed qual- uh, candidate. She's at the academic merits, but they would vote against her, or they are going to vote against her uh, because of differing judicial philosophy, which I t- entirely agree with. If you have a different uh, ju- judicial philosophy, then yeah, you disagree, you dis- you misinterpret the role of the judiciary in the U.S. Constitution or in other founding documents. Right. And I believe that is something definitely substantial to vote against. Um, One actually funny comment uh, relating to Ben Sass, uh, Ted Cruz actually uh, questioned Brown Jackson on uh, Ibram X. Kennedy's book, Anti-Racist Baby. It's like a children's book. <laughs> um, I, I did that get like, uh, I was looking at the reviews for that. I feel like it was really poorly reviewed. Oh, I'm willing to that bet book, it's a garbage book. It, was, it, was, um, it got like zero stars. But, but the way, the way so Cruz related to KBG was that apparently it's on like a reading list uh, in the Georgetown Day School of which KBG, uh, KBJ is a board member of. Oh. Um, cool. So yeah, obviously, obviously that must mean she endorsed hand, the book. Handpicked by her. But yeah, anyway, Ted Cruz uh, was grilling her on that, um, and then afterwards, he, that's just incredibly well, nitpicky. Like, what? Do you mean? Well, the funny part is, immediately after he grilled her, he was caught by a reporter scrolling through his Twitter mentions on his phone, <laughs> and then following Ben uh, Ben Sass uh, sitting right next to Ted Cruz, uh, pretty much said, "It's just inordinately stupid." stupid that these hearings are televised, they it allows them to become nothing about the uh, the nominee. Pretty much allows every senator, every politician, every wannabe for a higher office to have a uh, moment to pretty much talk about the same things they like to bitch about all the time. Which you know, there's definitely a lot of uh, that in politics, but maybe not for a Supreme Court nominee. Maybe should that should actually be more uh, yeah. judicial philosophy so focused. Yeah, um, I do like Ben Sass. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, beyond that, I don't think I have anything much to add. I've, even. I've exhausted myself. I, I, I really... Um, I, yeah, I, I don't have much else to add, I guess. Um, um, I'd like to put in a very special thank you to Juliet Shake, who made our awesome and yes. incredible podcast intro. Yes, it's, we it's love amazing. It. Thank you, Juliet. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, um, very excited about it. Beyond that, uh, subscribe to Contrarian. Yeah, it's hopefully, free. And, and I'd like to mention um, this is the first one. Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, it'll only get better from here. Yes, yes. Hopefully, we didn't say anything too dumb, especially me. Uh, but but you know, it it was fun. I hope I look forward to doing this more in the in the future. Me too. Me too. And, and uh, hopefully, we'll get some yeah. guests. Maybe a guest writer, alumni. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, that would be yeah. amazing. I would love that. Yeah, um, so, um, welcome to the TBD name to come. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and, um, hope you enjoyed. Yes. Um, subscribe, uh, yik yak about us, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe, not. <laughs> maybe not, Yeah, um, I've already had my fair share of yik yaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have, yeah. Um, um, well, yeah, until the next time. Until next time.